Hi, this is Matty, and welcome to the eighth episode of my Complex Stranger podcast. Talking and connecting to strangers is not limited to time-consuming discussions and effortful listening. Dr. Gillian Sandstorm from Essex University is working on a research topic named Minimal Social Interactions. She claims that even small interactions between total strangers in a coffee shop, subway, or bus stations can considerably improve our mental health. Her favorite stories are the ones where minimal connections between a tapestry of strangers come together to tell a study. These stories seem more and more plausible in our increasingly connected world. Despite this, she believes that we now live in a culture of disconnection. People find it hard to make friends and suffer emotionally and physically from a lack of belonging. She focuses at the micro level, examining how seemingly insignificant social interactions and everyday behaviors can influence and improve well-being. Dr. Sandstorm believes that most of the time our fear from talking to strangers is not real. Most of the time we get surprised by how friendly strangers become after we start a small discussion. For instance, by giving a compliment about their appearance or asking them about the book they're reading. You'd feel incredibly positive energy from talking to strangers because you overcome your fear and it is exciting. Having a shot with a bartender, giving flowers to a total stranger or taking a picture of a handsome stranger smiling at you can make your day. In this episode, you will listen to the story of Laura. Please find the link to her portrait attached to the description of this episode. Well, uh, my name is Laura Emilia Osores Gonzalez. Um, I was born in Lima, in Peru. Yeah, uh, but I left Lima when I was 18 years old, 18, 19, yeah. Uh, due to the lack of opportunities in the country, it was pretty tough to be there. Uh, in the middle sister from three and um, my mom had to take over from three so she traveled to Spain to try to give us a, a better future then I traveled myself two years after her and um, yeah so I left Peru because of this situation it was pretty difficult to study or even to work mm-hmm. but to work and study is really impossible uh, then I stayed in Spain for around eight years. Eight years. Yes. And went back to Peru for nine months. It was a, a crazy decision at that time. Right now I look backwards like, why did you do that? But yeah, I did. I learned a lot from that decision. I made mistakes like everybody. I went back because of a next boyfriend. I uh, didn't work out. Uh, I came back to Spain, but fortunately, I had the opportunity to go to Brussels. Mm. Uh, the company I was working for is the same chain I'm here now. They had a, an offer in Brussels, so I worked for them around three years in Brussels. And then they, when we closed the hotel there, they offered me a job here. 
and I've been improving professionally. Uh, like uh, it's one of my best goals, I think, because I grew up like a lot with a lot of hard effort in my job, and um, to to arrive to this post mm -hmm. or to this category of job, it's really tough, and I work at my ass for that. And uh, but on the same hand, uh, I also left a lot behind. Mm -hmm. I left family, I left friends, I left my personal life, went into another role. Like I do, didn't take care of that part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, all the migration, I think for everybody is tough. Personally for me, it was really tough the first one in Spain was really tough. I was working really hard, like six days per week without weekends free. I started university in Spain while I was working also full time. I was doing my internship, I was doing my job full time. I was studying at the same time university. So it was like fun time ever. I, uh, I gave a lot of effort on that. I'm proud of it. It made me who I am right now. Uh, but this personal life that I didn't discover, I didn't manage very well mm -hmm. because of lack of time. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end, as a grown-up right now with 32 years, it's like, oh my God, I left so much behind. So it's, sometimes it's tough. Um, I really enjoy smiling because it transmits joy to people. So it's not a sense that I'm really happy every time because I'm not. Uh, I have really tough times, mm -hmm. um, but I try to transmit this feeling of everybody should be happy in at one point of their lives. So I try to transmit that with a smile because maybe someone needs it because a lot of times I need it. I experience three to four times uh, I've been into depression, mm -hmm. like really tough depression. Um, I've been in therapy too, so I try to deal with a lot of stuff, but not all yet. <laughs> so I'm planning to go back to, but different periods of my life were really tough, like migrations were really, really like shocking in my life. I couldn't adapt that fast and I had a lot of responsibilities. And also, since I've been a teenager, I had to grow up really, really fast. That meant to, that I had to be responsible of my sister when I was 13. Uh, I had to be responsible of the house because my parents were divorcing. So it was tough. And sometimes I just needed to be thinking something else and not about it. And a smile for me is just, oh, somebody is smiling. I will... Like, just go closer and say, yeah, how is your day going? Is everything good? Are you happy? Are you, are you, are you feeling, like, happiness right now? Everybody knows happiness is a short-term thing. It just happens and then goes away and then comes back. And it's like that. But in a lot of periods of my life, I needed the smiles. Mm -hmm. I needed, and there were people around there, fortunately, that gave me those smiles. I tend to be really anxious, too. Um, I tend to have to want to have everything perfect if I do something wrong I judge myself first 
I'm judging myself constantly since I've since I've been a teenager. Mm. I kind of um, talk about it in therapy once, and my brain is constantly in war mode. That means that I always ready to something. If I don't have a plan A, or my plan A is just go to hell, I don't worry. I have B, C, D, and <laughs> all the all the alphabet if you want it. And that sometimes is really tiring. It takes your breath away sometimes. And we, when I connect a smile, it's just a calm place for me. It's like it's nothing happening right now. Mm-hmm. My brain is stopping for a second when I see a smile or when I make someone smile. For me, it's like, okay, that's my day. That's my purpose. To give good energy, to give assistance, to give... Uh, something good to people in any kind. It could be I could cook something. For me, it's like oh, it mm-hmm. fills my heart. If I, and the minimal thing for me is like the smile. It's like if I make someone smile, it's like oh, my hair feels like so overwhelmed. Like yay. Do you do you have the feeling that we're missing that in our society? Like especially when it comes to Western culture. I do, yeah. Uh, people don't connect that much. We are always on the defense side. It's like we are always waiting that somebody will hurt us, so mm. we don't open ourselves. We just, uh, I, I mean, I from the other side, I can see that. Like, I, I try to be open always, but I'm always, always afraid. But people are really like close-minded sometimes or they are prejudging that oh no this girl what does she want yeah. like, okay and I'm and for me with people it's like I like to take care of people and sometimes this also gets misinterpretation so what do we do if you're a, a, a people a person with a warm heart what do you do if you don't want to be misunderstood so you start to close yourself too. So it's an effect that affects them when they are really close and they just don't want to connect to people that are different. And it's a really contrary effect with us that, okay, should we protect ourselves just not to be hurt? Yeah. So what we do? <laughs> I think there are two variables, two major variables, as you said, egocentric, but our independence as humans and also the the um, the aim to take care of yourself to avoid to be hurt and expectations because the expect the expectations is mainly the the main objective that you relate to somebody outside you that's most of more or less what you said is like okay so if i connect with somebody haha what do i get and expectations in daily life with family even it happens with family and with workers with uh, in, in the class with the students everywhere you just expect something mm-hmm. from someone and just taking care of you to not give more than the other person just to be equivalent and that's really sad mm-hmm. I find it really really sad but first of all I love traveling that is mm-hmm. like when I was a child I loved to be a pilot it's so damn expensive mm. and I was like oh no I, I cannot do it so I didn't do it 
then I wanted to be a chef, but in those times that was also also super super expensive. So I started as a travel agent in Peru, and then I did my university in Spain and started a job as a receptionist, and then I get to be chief of reception. But it was a, like a, f- a family property. So when I finished my studies, I had to do another internship. And that's mm-hmm. when I entered to this chain. But I have to enter as an intern again. I, it was tough, but it was like, okay. But they, for example, that time they expected me to be an intern with mm-hmm. no sense of anything. Like they have to teach me like a baby. Okay. But it was the opposite because I had already six years before of, of the training and all the work I did. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty fun that I could exceed their expectations and their judgment because it was not what they what they saw in mm-hmm. my CV. Then uh, they actually gave me a contract in another of their hotels and I spent two years with them in Spain with this chain, the same here. And when I left the chain, when I wanted to, to go to Peru, actually the, my first six years in Spain Every year when I had holidays, I went back to Peru. I miss it a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. nice places just going back to Peru because I have my ex-boyfriend there. I spent six years together long distance. And every time I went back, of course, people see you differently. Mm-hmm. They said, ah, oh, you come from Europe. Huh? You have money. Mm-hmm. They approach you just because they feel or they think that Europe is magic that when you get there, you start like pooping money. It's amazing that, that the conception of that when you migrate, everything is ha. That the tough part is when you leave, mm-hmm. but it's not that. And that is the misjudgment that I got from Peru, for example, for even friends, even friends, friends from friends, friends I knew from school, but they just approached to get something to Information, even information. I'm really happy to help. Mm-hmm. Like this week happened with a guy that I barely talk like since we left high school. Yeah, I was saying that you are in Berlin. I thought that you were still in Spain. No, I left Spain like five years ago. <laughs> but oh, okay. So yeah, well, I, look, I'm trying to learn German. Um, I want to to actually be a dentist there too. I have my title here in Peru, but I want to know. Do you know somebody who knows how to do it? No, but I can ask. I'm happy to help. Mm-hmm. But that question was not, hi, how are you? It was at the beginning. But then it was, yeah, you know. She was like, okay. I get it. Like, in a soft point, you have to ask someone. And if it's someone you know, cool. So the interpretation from Peru, for people that are migrated abroad, is like, ha, you are lucky. That lucky one. But it's not always like that. Because when you migrate, you pour your ass up just to be someone in a country you don't know. In Spain, for example, I was Peruvian. So I almost got the same feeling as you. Like, they feel like I'm an immigrant. Illegal. Illegal immigrant. Yeah, you don't have papers. My ID. <laughs> I have work permission. <laughs> yeah, I have it. But it was the first judgment. You're Peruvian. Okay. Where's your visa? Let me tell you that Fortunately, in my case, it didn't happen as often as other friends. That maybe because of their the skin, the color, mm-hmm. it was for me it was really shocking. 
I, I tried to be em uh, empathic with them and I was like, come on, but they are the same as me. So how, how can you judge someone for the skin? So that was in, in Spain. My immigration to Spain was like that. The main situation was like, yeah, so you come through, ah, so maybe you work in a cleaning service. So when I, when I, if somebody asked me, where do you work? Ah, I work in a hotel. Ah, you work in a cleaning service, housekeeping. No, but I would be proud. Still, I would be proud if I work in housekeeping. It's the toughest of physical work in a hotel. But let me correct you that I work in a reception. So that went that way always, just to down, down, downgrade my mm -hmm. efforts. Then, Belgium. Belgium was really different because I had my Spanish nationality then. Mm -hmm. So there, I my ID said Spanish, but I was born in Peru. Yes. It says that, but when you see a Spanish ID, you're Spanish. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> uh, when when they see you as a Spaniard, they're like, "Huh, you're a Spaniard." Huh. So what are you here for? It's a really tricky feeling. I never expected to feel that. Not even here in Germany, I felt the same. You're a Spaniard. Huh. You're coming here to ask for the Arbeitsagentur tour help <laughs> or what? No, I work here. So it's like, okay, so where do you work? I work in a hotel, housekeeping. I was really shocked that not even my previous nationality, that I still have it, I have both, mm -hmm. but with this, as being a Spaniard had the same effect on North Europe. I was like, oh, wow. It, it was really shocking. Um, then regarding, for, for example, physically, I get judges physically so many times. You will be so pretty if you're slimmer. You have your face, you have a really pretty face, but with your body, nah. Yeah, and people say that. They're not aware of how much damage they can do. With the body, yeah, you don't sport, you don't do sports, right? Uh, I do Kung Fu, I did Kung Fu, I did Jug, I'm super flexible, but it's my physique, so what? <laughs> it's my body, it's not yours. So that is another fact too, that people are not aware what their words, or what their expressions could say or could make to other people. Uh, that's physically, yeah. I've been judged so many times. You're eating so much carbs. So there are a lot of this. You don't care. <laughs> First of all, you don't care. <laughs> it's not your body. But then it's like the judgment of it's not your body. First of all, it's not your body. It's mine. So if you find me ugly, fat, pretty, I don't care. I really, really don't care. But that is a judgment that is so, 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 so learned from families. Even, even my family is pretty judgy in that part. And it's something with what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like every time I visit my family in Spain, ah, you are a slimmer. Next time, you are a father. Like that is like, I'm, I'm happier. Yeah, I'm healthier. Uh, I would prefer that instead of yeah, you look taller. No, you look fatter. No, your arms, nah. It's like, 
no, I just, if you care about me, it's not my body, who, me, who, who is the most, what is mo most important yes. about me. Yes. Yeah, so it's tricky. Here, when I arrive, for example, about my job, if I tell that I'm a deputy manager in a hotel, it's like, somebody gave you that job for free? Do you know somebody that gave you the job? And no, <laughs> I might ask to God this job. I don't have any friend on the chain. No, I don't. No, no, no. And that happens in some countries, in some companies. You just have the friend of the friend, or your parent is a friend of someone, and you get a good job. Cool. Good for them. Lucky ones. I like my road, the road that brought me here. But there are people that it's just, huh, how did you get that job? Working, <laughs> working hard. I think that I agree with the jealousy theory, but also this is not like the grown-ups were like that, like they decided to be like that. We grow and we were born in a society where everybody compares themselves to the other ones. Even our parents compare ourselves to sister, brother. So this comparison actually don't make us live our own way. They don't make us build our own way without seeing the other ways too. Mm. So we don't see our timing in life as special as the other ones, and as individuals and as independent people we are. I will die to be a mom since I was 25. I haven't had the chance yet. Cool, my friends in school, they already have two kids. And it's like, great. But there was a point that I started also the same work that I learned since I was a child. I started comparing my life to the other ones. Mm -hmm. And we do that daily. And it's so automatically that we start the jealousy system. Mm -hmm. That is like, yeah, so she has that. So why do, I, as you said, why do I, do, I don't have that? Not even things, uh, material things, but the life, life periods, life uh, situations. So why my relationship doesn't work that way, as good as theirs? So maybe, maybe he's cheating. Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know, maybe they're, well, in a good economy. Could be that. So that's the easiest answer always. So we just keep ourselves outside of the situation just to see only small items that make us connect and just make a judgment comparing to our life to our situation to our personal road that is not the same as the other ones so it's that, that easy way always so if you want to if you want to like tell which one which which of these judgments hurt you more what would it be the physical one. The physical one. Yes. I think that is something I'm still struggling. And it still hurts, of course. Um, my family, fortunately, have finally understood it. Mm -hmm. That I need support, not judgment. In some periods in my life, when I don't feel comfortable with myself or with my body. Mm -hmm. If somebody is telling me, yeah, that, fat, 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 fat. It's like, okay, no, if you're not... Um, that is not the way I will like encourage myself to do something to change it. I just need support and caring. 
because you don't know what is behind that. And I think that is that thing that touched me that the most during all my life since I was a child. Because I've been not, I've been really big since I was a child. So this how I am it doesn't go that better or that bad. I'm like that. I like my body in some periods. <laughs> I don't in some periods. I think everyone goes through that. Um, it's true that you can work on it, but it's only your job to do it, not the other one. My strategy, I, I have to be honest, it hasn't been like a long time I use it because I've been struggling with that for all the time. But nowadays, I could say that when I hear something like that, it's like I will take that, that phrase or that with caring for myself. Like, okay, that's your opinion. Thank you. Okay, thank you for your opinion. I will think about it so they can stay calm. So I don't actually don't go against them. It's like, okay, thank you for your opinion. Thank you for your suggestion. Thank you for your advice. I will think about it. That is externally. That is one part of job that I work it really hard to react like that because my face says everything. So when something shocks me, my eyes say everything. Um, so I work a lot with that. And right now I'm proud to say, yeah, I said that with a calm face, like, thank you. Like, honestly, thank you. But inside, I'm working on, okay, what are their insecurities too? Why are they, it's not, I cannot say the word attack, because it will be sound really, really huge. But why are they commenting about my body? Maybe they have also insecurities on their life, on their own bodies. Maybe another person did this comment to them before. So they find that normal. So for them, it's normal to say to another person. It's just to transfer the comment to someone. Maybe when they were children, they grew up also in a family that judged bodies. Mm -hmm. so at the end, it's not their fault. So I would not be against them. But I have to work to, be, to have a peace for myself. So you're telling me that? Okay, Laura, you have a really, really pretty face. But your body, meh. Okay. Thank you. I'll think about it. I have a really, really pretty face. I like my face. I like my legs. I like my belly. I like everything. Nowadays, I know there are sometimes no, sometimes yes. But when I get this comment, it's like, yeah, I have a really pretty face. I like it. It's my mom's face. I'm proud of it. I'm proud to have that copy face of my mom. I'm like super happy about it. My body, my body comes from my grandma, from my mom's side, and from my grandma, from my dad's side. I have their legs, not even from my mom. My mom is jealous about it, but she's like, <laughs> but I am so proud of these two women that were so strong in their lives. And I want that. I define myself as strong. And this body made me made me strong. It went through all the downs and all the lows I went through. And it's still hanging there. 
So besides any comment that arrives, it will still be here. And if it's not here, it's that I'm not here anymore. So I just keep it strong. That's what I remind myself. It's like, that doesn't define you. Your growth, your effort, your work, not, not only in the work part, I mean, the work personally, internally. That's what defines you. What you want to do for the rest of the people, that is what defines you. The energy you want to give, the positivity you want to give to the other one, that's what defines you. Not what people say. Oh. It's hard. It's super hard to do that. So I try to think that it's two parts that I have to complete. First, the external one. When I finish with that, I'm done. Okay, now let's work at home. We will think about it because I'm an overthinker, so I will digest that at home and just find peace for myself because it will hurt. Unfortunately, it still shocks me, but I digest that in a different way than before. Before, it was crying, feeling really, really unhappy and how could I say this in English? Uh, and appealing and also not I don't want to be beautiful I have my beautiness but I don't want to be like other one so I'm like that it's like that <laughs> and yes. for me it's enough that's one point like I learned from a therapist too that uh, there's this therapy how can I say this oh my god worse translation uh, <laughs> uh, a therapy uh, mold style yeah that's called the abc from albert ellis i don't know if you have heard about it well actually the abc makes that the situation you can split it in different things the a i don't remember mm-hmm. where the order but like a b c will be the three different parts of a situation any situation in your life for example uh somebody told me that is something that is really helpful okay so a could be all my previous experiences about it okay b will be all my cultural background how how that happens here in this situation in this country in this in this city or how it's treated or why this happened or is it typical here um religious things too matters then like everything that is cultural that comes from your roots that you will analyze in that situation and the c will be your personal opinion about it so when you split the situation in those three spaces you don't really think about what is this person doing to you but what this person is doing in general could not be you Mm. you changed yourself or another item so but okay, so what will be the impact at the end? It's you to decide. But before you will check all the backgrounds. A better example will be another one that actually I did therapy for this too. So it's hard to tell, but when I was a child, I was touched by a cousin. And I was really young, so I didn't realize that it was wrong. So my intimacy was taken from a cousin. 
I didn't know at that age. When I grew up, I was a teenager, I said, okay, I remember that that happened when I was a child. So I continue living my life, like hiding that part, like never talking about it. And it was like, yeah, no, this never happened. I had all this resentment to discussing until now. And I, I cannot change it, unfortunately, because he, even, he was a child too. So I don't know where the idea came from, but he was a child too. So I cannot blame him, but I know that I have to resent him. So what will we do with this analysis? Is, okay, he touched you. There are different things that could happen in different environments too. The A, of course, it's not that it's a good situation, of course not. But to avoid that it affects you that deep in your life, you have to realize, okay, if this happened, we analyze it in the three, three parts. The first one will be like your previous, just your previous events in your life. I didn't have one before, but I had other two in future. Mm -hmm. I cannot compare them at the end mm -hmm. because we were children. I didn't know. He's supposed to didn't know. Okay. Religious, culture, the environment. If we talk about this situation, maybe in Nigeria or in any African country that they usually marry children, this would not be judged. Mm -hmm. This will be normal. Even the girl will not find it like shocking because it's normal. But of course, in my society, in my culture, in my religion, This is really bad. Okay. Then, the third, the third one. How did it affect you? I had this situation for my life a lot of time. So this situation happened. But there are different options too. Apparently, I didn't know that until I did therapy. When you are a child, like, there's a, a kind of curiosity about human body. So you start to see human body from other people too, that you don't find familiar because you look as a, as a, as a guy and the other one looks as a female. So it's like, okay, we have different spots. So I didn't think about it until this therapy because we just took the situation and we split it in different things mm -hmm. and how it could affect into another society, into another religion. Into mm -hmm. So this uh, helped me a lot to recover from that situation that we did the same evaluation because it happened to me twice afterwards when I was older um, it was with the, one of my best friends so it was the ex from my best friend so it was like really tough to get over that yeah. and, and we analyzed also the situation what he was going through that it's not to justify what happened but it's just to give you relief mm -hmm. that it was not your fault. So when I get these kind of comments, it's not my fault at the end. It's not my problem, it's my body. I, now, not before, but now, I analyze it like that. Like, you, you did this to me. I could react like really badly, mm -hmm. but I preferred a peace for myself. That is the most important thing that I have. So if I fight with you, regarding that of course I would really like to change yourself to, to change you completely because you are telling this and you're hurting people and you should not 
So I'll try to shoot. That's that's one thing that uh, maybe I will develop later. But I try to show you kindness. To show you how opposite I'm reacting to your comment. Maybe it will it will click something. It will ring something in you. Maybe not. But that is not my work to do it at the end. That's why I learned that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> when I was a child, I didn't talk about it with my family. I think they saw it once, uh, but they took my cousin away. I think it was, I remember roughly, but it was one time in my room, it was dark. And we were, it, there was a family birthday or something. So all the children were sleeping together as always. Uh, but I think one of my mom or an uncle came and I was already naked and they took him away. So I think they were so into so, so shame that they never talk about it. That when I grew up to a teenager and I started to have my period, for example, that was the point when my mom talked to me like, yeah, nobody has to touch you here and here and here. Okay, I didn't know that before. So how could I tell my mom that she's telling me right now that this is the worst thing ever? That I did it because I felt that I was guilty. So guiltiness is so powerful that just leave you hiding. In different situations. Like in that case, I felt that guilty. That it was my fault. Until I actually took it like all my life all my sexual life was before I treated it was like with flashbacks mm -hmm. and it's really tough but it was super natural for me to hide it because it was such a shame for a culturally speaking religiously speaking I wasn't super religious at that time. I was I'm Catholic, but I'm not practicing anymore. But at that time, I was going to church. I was part of uh, a lot of groups of, uh, I don't know how to say this in English, but well, I was going to church. Yeah. It was such a shame. Like, what? What? And it was so young that I felt so, so, so ashamed of that. So I had it like a natural thing. Like, I was a child. I didn't know. That was my justification for that. Mm -hmm. I never talk about it with my family. I talk it with the therapy, with the friends that were really close to me. And that's how I went out of that. But yeah, that actually happens to a lot of people. Yeah. I think it will be so, so complex to summarize what I should shout. I, what I would like to shout because it involves uh, how people don't respect each other how they are not care, caring or they don't give empathy with others that frustrates me so much then I, I will add <laughs> stop judging bodies <laughs> stop talking about bodies um, and I think the last one is like I smile, don't show you what is behind. I think that's really powerful and has a powerful meaning. You cannot see, not even a crying, a cry or a smile or something, someone in anger, any emotion can show you what is behind. 
you cannot see that because nobody is transparent and we are not hearing I think that's the first the first step will be a, be a good listener pay attention just not because one thing is hear another thing is listen so if we listen more or if we just have more open hearts on open minds that will be more steps actually because empathy is we don't we don't borrow in empathy we usually get teach about it when we are young and we start growing yeah share this with this with your brother with your sister you start learning that and we don't we don't bore judging we learn to judge since we are children too and that is tough because you kind of go the way around to reborn and just born without judging so generations are coming that come from families that are judging already mm. and the judgment is so uh, the word judge it works in different ways you can make the good judgment in any situation for caring yourself for personal caring like Okay, that part is dangerous. I'm judging that this area could be dangerous. This situation could be dangerous for me. Mm -hmm. I have to be safe. So that judgment works. <laughs> It's good for everyone. Judgment for something that is not dangerous is senseless. I find it that way. That if you're not in danger, if you will be good if you approach this person of course you don't know they're also unexpected situation in the world but if you don't feel in danger why would you close yourself why would you judge this person if this person is not doing anything to you i could say half of the world oh yeah but then the other half of the world maybe not percentages but they're Groups of people that are encouraging empathy. Mm. There are groups of people, unfortunately, because of the situation that we are living through too, we are closing ourselves even more mm. between countries even. We have to close our frontiers because we didn't want to get more people attacked by the virus. Okay, you're covering yourself. Other countries will do the same, mm. just as a protection. It's just one example. So we will still have the idea that we have to protect because there are people that will hurt. That will still happen, of course. If there's danger, we have to avoid danger, always. But if there's no danger, why? Yes, mm -hmm. I understand. I'm doing my best. And I think like everyone is doing their best. Uh, in in different types of life, different situations, uh, and the comparison between people sometimes is is nonsense because we live different lives. The only one that is with you is you, and you're the only one living your life. Actually, that. That is a really nice opinion when you see from outside. It's like, oh yeah, you're super powerful and successful. At the end, you, we have a lot of lags behind. 
And yeah, my goal for me is just to take care of my personal life because I grew, I give my all to my professional life yes. that I left everything behind. So one of my goals is to focus on that, to focus on my health. Mm-hmm. To, uh, professionally, I would like to be a director, mainly director for my hotel. Uh, for my life, I just want to keep working hard. And my purpose will be daily in a daily life to give my all, but also bring some joy to someone. That is like a daily goal. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I miss it a lot. Like for myself, I don't have a hobby. I've been like trying a lot of things in the piece of time I have free that it hasn't been a lot. Um, I would like to open myself to have friends that I've been just focusing on giving my all to my job that mm-hmm. I didn't have time, didn't spend time going out, partying. I'm not a party person, mm-hmm. but just to experience how is it, to experience more, more things that I didn't do before because of lack of time, lack of money, anything. I would like to also give more time to my family that I'm alone here. Yes. So they are in Spain or in Peru. I would like to spend time with them anywhere, like go to visit them, travel together. Yeah. Um, also, I would like to be open again to a relationship mm-hmm. that is being a long time that I haven't been in a relationship. And I found myself with periods that, yeah, I want a boyfriend. But then, at the end, honestly, I didn't feel ready. Mm. So I was like, kind of mad, like, yoo-hoo, let's meet people, yoo-hoo. But then, it didn't feel me. Like, it was so randomly mm. choosing, just in a desperate way. Yes. That was not that purpose at the end. If you want someone to be by your side, would not be random people. So I stopped with the hypes. <laughs> it happened two or three times. But no, I'm like, I will get there in a moment. But I still need to work in my feelings of how to take care of myself when I'm in a relationship. Because I know that I'm, when I'm in a relationship, I just give my all losing me at mm-hmm. the end. Um, I still have work to do to get to a point that I feel ready for that. Mm-hmm. What you heard was the eighth episode of my Complex Stranger podcast. Now you can go back to the portrait you saw at the beginning of the episode and see if you know Laura better.